Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome back to the Rashadamas Show. It's yours truly, Raheem Power, aka the Rashadamas. We got a special, special guest in the building. We got one of the best analysts, one of the best veterans in the game. Our guy, Warren Sharp. What's good? How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, I've definitely enjoyed watching you work from afar over at The Ringer and certainly glad to be able to talk shop with you here for the first time ever. Interesting, interesting season that we've got as we approach the midway point. A lot of unique things about this season in particular that make it tricky to handicap, uh, but I'm looking forward to doing it the rest of the way here because I think that there are some edges now that we're kind of getting a better handle on the way that some teams are playing these games. Yeah, it's been really interesting. We had nine backup quarterbacks start this last week. And I think one of the biggest trends that we're seeing is these NFL unders. Now, 83-52 and won 61% through nine weeks. That's the, that's the best since 1991. Only 38.5% of these games have gone over their predicted total. Last week, week nine, unders 11 and four. Second half unders are Russian. I mean, like, I've never seen anything like this. And then we know these primetime unders are going crazy, 62 and 29 over the past two seasons. So why are we seeing this? Like, and when will the markets adjust? It's tough because we are seeing so many numbers from a totals perspective already that start with the first digit of three, that it's hard for our brains to process the fact that a couple of years ago, we are seeing almost as many fives, it feels like, you know, numbers in the 50s as you were numbers in the 40s. Uh, and now we're seeing a ton of numbers in the upper 30s from a totals perspective. And it's hard to want to 
find value in taking the under because so many pros and even I'd say public better squares alike are accustomed to gravitating towards some of those more key numbers. And so when you're looking at totals that are like 38 and a half, like you missed the 43, you missed the 41, your first half number is going to be below the 40, uh, below the 20. So where are these key numbers that you're going to be looking to bet the, you know, go under on a higher number so that you can feel like you're getting some value on a key number? They're just not there. So you're relying solely on the matchups uh, to get you to that point. And it's simply a challenge this season, in my opinion, um, from a modeling perspective, because how low can you get your model to actually go? You know, how low can you go? But why are we seeing it? Well, we're seeing it for a number of reasons. The first reason is the way that they're calling penalties this year. Penalties are just, they're, they're calling so many penalties to the line of scrimmage. They're having more of a bias in year this year and last year than in years past to offensive penalties at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap penalties. I am sick and tired, Raheem, of seeing these uh, ineligible man downfield penalties when the dude has no uh, part of the play whatsoever, but they still call these things back on ticky-tack things. We're seeing a lot more in what used to be called defensive pass interference. They're calling illegal contact. Instead of spot fouls, it's five-yard penalties. Um, and so there's a lot more things that are actually, from a penalty perspective, favoring defenses. Um, we've also seen just crews in general be a lot more erratic with their calls. Um, and, you know, then offensively, we're seeing these teams with these young quarterbacks, they're facing a lot more zone coverage, they're facing more too high, they're throwing it underneath, they're trying to run the football, and the pace of play in general is down a little bit. We're seeing teams go a little bit slower. We're seeing terrible efficiency down inside of the red zone. Um, and we're seeing a general inability for teams to be able to drive the length of fields. And you put all these things together. And that's why, like, I think three weeks ago at this point, I wrote an article about just the state of NFL scoring, the state of offenses, what we're dealing with, and how my prediction at the time was we are not going to see a way out this year. There's not going to be any digging out this year. And in fact, I predicted this was, I think, before week seven, I wrote this article, um, that like once we start seeing quarterbacks go down, which inevitably we will, why would we? Well, because there are more, because defensive linemen have an advantage at the line of scrimmage, we are seeing a higher sack rate. And you and I both know that when quarterbacks are sacked more, they're more likely to be hit and be injured. And as a result, I was predicting that we'd see more quarterback injuries. And sure enough, that's that's been the case here. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I don't see it getting any better in the future. And it should adjust your point on first halves and full games, second half unders. Like it should adjust the way that you're betting these games. We are seeing so many teams build a lead. We saw it again last night with the LA Chargers. Build a lead and then sit on the lead. Now they got like a defensive turnover that they ran back and almost got in for a touchdown. So they were able to get some points in the second half. But so many of these teams are just building leads over inferior opponents with inferior quarterback play and then just sitting on them in the second half. And we're not really seeing true to form 60 minutes of play in the NFL in 2023. We're just not. We're seeing a first half, maybe the first even 25 minutes, maybe sometimes just 35 minutes, and then the play is altered severely down the stretch in the second half. 
You know, it's so funny because I felt like that was something that we saw from the Philadelphia Eagles last year. It felt like they played the first half of the, of the game knowing that they got a lead and they can lean on you with the run game in the second half and play conservative. So do you feel like that's something that the the entire NFL has picked up on? It's just, it's so it's so frustrating for me because I take a game like Bengals versus Bills. Line open at 46. Gets bet all the way up to 51. And it's 21-7 at halftime. And even with the Bills being in a negative game script, they just can't get over the hump. So I've had that happen to me so many times this year. Have you adjusted how you've bet these games? Are you betting first half over, second half under? Like, um, how are you approaching it? 100%. Um, first of all, to the first point, I don't know, like the way that the Eagles were playing last year is they were being so aggressive with their play calling and their strategy and their offensive identity in the first half that then they, when they had these leads, they could take the second half off more or less. And I don't see that as what is happening around the league with like these other teams that are getting the leads. Um, maybe the only team that's close is like the Baltimore Ravens, but most of these other teams, um, th- they're just, they're getting their leads at halftime in part because the play on the other side of the ball is just so terrible. Or, as I'm sure we're going to discuss, some of these offenses are paired with really good defenses right now, like the Chiefs with their defense, like the Ravens with their defense. Um, and so these other teams that are um, on the opposite side of the ball from them, like the Chiefs offense doesn't have to be great, but they're going to sometimes have these leads because their opponent just is going up against their defense, the Chiefs' defense, and they can't do enough there. So I don't know that they were studying the blueprint of the Eagles last year, but it is what is happening this year, and and that is that opponents of some of these teams just cannot get anything going. Even sometimes, like to your point, that Bills-Bengals game, where you do have a relatively decent offense. We saw that twice uh, on Sunday, Raheem. We saw it with the Dolphins against the Chiefs. Really good offense of the Miami Dolphins. Couldn't get anything going. We saw it Bills versus the Bengals. Really good offense of the Bills. Could not get anything going. And so 100% on the, like I've adjusted to, to answer your second question, I've made major adjustments this year with how I'm betting these games. Um, in years past, I would be attacking the totals markets on Monday morning aggressively. And moving numbers, getting num- getting down as much as I could, and then coming back in and dabbling later. I've held off on doing that. I've let other guys go. You go ahead and bet the full game over and try to beat the market on the Bengals-Bills total to the over. I'm going to come in on the first half when that market opens and matures a little bit, when I believe that um, that I can get a game script that's truer to form where it does not matter if one of the teams is up or down because it's still the first half and they're still going to be pushing. And so even that, though, I'll I'll tell you, I was on the first half over 23 and a half in that game. And that game was a grinder to even get over that number. Uh, There was 21 points scored in the first quarter. All I needed was a field goal in the entire second quarter to win. And we ultimately got a touchdown with a couple minutes left, but it was just ridiculous how it ended up getting there. And like yesterday's game, the Monday night game with the Chargers and the Jets, I liked the under. I bet the under, but I bet the full game under, not the first half. Now, both ended up hitting, 
both needed things to go their way in the final seconds of the, that each of those uh, periods to actually hit the unders in both the first half and the full. And you look at that game, that's a dead nut under. I mean, there's no way this game should be going over the total, should be close to going over the total uh, with the way that these two teams were playing offense against the two teams and the way that they were playing defense. But yet, like somehow we almost went over. So luckily the, uh, the, the under cash there, but I've been betting a little bit more on the full game unders. I've been betting a little bit more on the first half overs. I've been caring a little bit less this year about closing line value. I mean, that game you saw yesterday, a ton of over money came in. That thing was at 39 and a half from a totals perspective. Got bet all the way up to 41, which is a key number. I might have even seen some 41 and a half splash for a brief moment. Um, but. We saw massive movement there towards the over, and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay, I get, I guess you're forcing me, because I bet the under 40. I guess you're forcing me to bet a little bit on under uh, 41, and under, I didn't even bet the first half initially at 20, but now that I can get 20 and a half, maybe I need to bet a little bit on the under first half, because I did not agree with that movement, and so... One of the other things that's unique, you saw it in the game as the games played out, uh, the line movement played out in all those marquee games we were talking about uh, Sunday, Raheem, with the Germany game and then the 1 p.m. marquee game, which was the uh, 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 Seahawks and the Ravens, and then the 4 p.m. game, which was the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then the Sunday night game, which was the uh, Bills and the Bengals disagreement all over between groups, right? Some groups like this, some groups like that. The lines aren't moving that much. It's like a half point here, a half point there. There's a lot of new groups in the market this year. There's a lot of disagreement across the board. And to me, I've I've just been putting my blinders on a little bit more and being more patient about when I fire and choosing to fire on some more derivative type markets as opposed to just attacking the board on Monday and trying to get a lot down and move the market in different directions. I've been more patient and I've actually had, um, although I haven't had as many ebbs and flows, like high highs and low lows, I've been a lot more even keeled, but hitting right around 56, 57%. And uh, I wish it was a little bit better. I feel like a lot of luck has gone against me this year, but um, it's still profitable and it's still been a good year overall. And I, I think I've got a better handle on the market as we move down the stretch here. So the interesting thing about this season is that it feels like games are less competitive and it feels like the top tier teams in this league outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, like they're based on their defense. You look at the Kansas city mm-hmm. chiefs, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you look at the 49ers, like all of these teams have top tier defenses. So like, for the, like the past 10 years, I always felt like the NFL, like how to win in this league, it was based on your offense. Your offense was kind of like your floor. Does that change this year? And, you know, do you feel like, all right, it's going to be your defense, which is going to win you this championship this year? I really, I really do feel like that's the trend. Um, it's it's in, in part by the way defenses across the board are playing that's minimized the ability, I know we got a 70 point game from the Miami Dolphins, but that's minimized the highest of the highs that offenses are able to deliver. I really feel like just general defensive style has factored in there. Then you got the refereeing, you got the way they're calling penalties. Um, we're, we're just not going to see, we could still see breakout games. I think it's possible to see like a classic 
Chiefs Bills in the playoffs a couple of years ago. What was that in the AFC Championship game? Um, a game unfold ultimately like that at some point. But I think that's going to be the rarity this year in the postseason. I think these games are going to be played more to um, the defensive side of the ball. I think the way that they are playing defense right now, the strength of some of these teams. And then you look at like the way that some of these offenses are playing in general, right? Like the Eagles offense, still impressive, right? But it's it's not quite it doesn't give you the same vibes as last year's Eagles offense does. Um the Cowboys still cannot get anything done down inside of the red zone so they are falling prey to the issues that a lot of these offenses are having in the red zone and they're still one of the best offenses in the NFL between the 20s but even they are not uh uh able to overcome some of the play calling decision making and execution down inside of the red zone. Then you got a team like the Chiefs, I mean Travis Kelsey himself came out in an interview, I think this past week, and admitted that his game has morphed a little bit more into being a mental game and being in the right spot when he needs to be, as opposed to like a physical game of being able to outmuscle, outdistance you, break tackles. You know, uh, he still has elements of that, but he's not the same pup that he once was in that regard. And he's the clear cut, like number one threat of the best team with the best Super Bowl odds in the Kansas City Chiefs from a receiver perspective and they don't have a lot else around them there aren't as many kind of like deep vertical threats I guess like AJ Brown would be the lone example of a guy that's like a or Tyree Kill but there's just not as many of those around the NFL on some of the premier marquee teams that you could say okay this guy is like we're chucking the ball down the field to these guys and they're going to be putting up statistics for us uh, on a routine basis. I think A.J. Brown had those like streak of 125-plus yard games that were setting records. But other than that, that's the other thing, Raheem. Where are all the record-breaking uh, statistics gone, right? Like 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, Roger Goodell, the NFL, coming out with all these P- press releases, PR reports about all these records that are being broken, the paces of these guys on track to do X, Y, or Z this season. Nothing. I mean, crickets right now because offense is just just nowhere near the same place that it was even a couple of years ago. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. So 
I have a couple of totals I like. I know you're a totals guy, and I want to give your opinion on it. So okay. I have Saints-Vikings under 41 and a half. Um, I think this is going to be moving pretty soon. Saints 28th in red zone, TD percentage 45%. We know Derek Carr is probably one of the worst red zone quarterbacks of all time. And then you look at the Vikings team. They're also 23rd in red zone percentage. They brought Josh Dobbs in, and I think they performed a little bit over their level last week. I mean, it felt like most of the league has, has sobbed Josh Dobbs um, in terms of him just running to the right every time. But the Atlanta Falcons couldn't figure it out. But I really like that under. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, Minnesota is another one of those interesting teams where I guess I was surprised. I had a good day betting the Saints offense last game out. Um, primarily, I, I was on some Taysom Hill rushing props, and I was also on Alvin Kamara receiving props. But I was surprised, I don't know if you were, to see Raheed Shahid's receiving prop at only, I want to say, 33 and a half, and he didn't even get over that. And this was against a far weaker defense than he's going to be going up against the Minnesota Vikings. When you look at the Minnesota Vikings, this is a style of defense. I, I've been very impressed by the way that they are playing ball this year. Brian Flores has them playing this style. Uh, they blitz a lot. They may not get a lot of pressure, uh, but they also play a lot of zone coverage. And, you know, Derek Carr is not very good against the blitz. Uh, his splits this season and his career, he does not like pressure. Uh, so now it does help that the Vikings don't get a lot of pressure, but they are going to be blitzing and just sometimes blitzes themselves, even if they don't hit home when it's a quarterback like Derek Carr, it does tend to throw him off. The other thing about that game with the Saints, I don't know if you were on some Saints teasers because they were very popular. I was, and I was sweating bullets trying to figure out how this team, they're like plus five in turnover margin and they're running the dumbest offensive strategy that I have seen they continued like the Chicago Bears have a very underrated there's there's a lot of teams this year I feel like Raheem mm -hmm. we don't the public in general a, a lot of a lot of guys that analyze it, they don't really understand um kind of the strengths of some of these defenses because it's not what we've seen in the past like the Bears have a really damn good run defense the Jaguars have a really good damn run defense um some of these teams have run defenses that are surprising to like people. Oh yeah. The bears defense sucks. Oh yeah. The Jags defense mm -hmm. sucks. Like, and so the bears were great on first down runs, uh, stopping those. And yet the saints continue to just play into that run on first down. And they were always just consistently living in second and long. And so if the, the, the style of the Vikings play, they try to prevent you from getting anything over the top. And that's going to prevent like, Shahid potentially from having a great day. There's been some chemistry issues down the stretch here. It got a little bit better last week with Chris Olave and Derek Carr. And so if you, if those guys aren't clicking, they're getting, a, they got a little bit better last week, but if they're not clicking really well and you're not getting the overtop explosion, um, I do have some questions about the Saints offense being efficient here in this spot, especially with the way that the Minnesota Vikings blitz. And then to your point, you, you got Josh Dobbs coming in for the Minnesota Vikings and um, last week's game was certainly impressive, uh, unexpected for him to be inserted and perform as well as he did. I do believe, though, that they will approach this week with a little bit more strategic and conservative game plan for him. Like mm -hmm. when you're down and you get inserted into a game, you're going to have to come back, right? Just do whatever you can. Go out there. If you need to chuck, chuck. 
We're losing this game anyways. Give us a give us a shot. And he did that. But if you're playing at a zero zero to start the game, you're not going to have him going as crazy as he was in the last last week's game. Um, I will say this though about the the only I like to look at like both sides of the coin. The only caveat that I have to this is I do believe the Saints have improved their decision making from a play calling perspective inside of the red zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks ago, we saw it. There they had 14 red zone plays. And Derek Carr had only two pass attempts in the red zone. This was two weeks ago. They were running Alvin Kamara a ton, and they were uh, running Taysom Hill a ton and trying to take the ball out of Derek Carr's hand. That was a definite benefit. And last week, Derek Carr actually did throw a couple of passes inside the red zone and had a little bit of success. But I feel like they've been um, performing a little bit better inside the red zone of late. I still don't like their play calling in general, and I still don't think that this is a, a great defense for them to be going up against with the structure and strategy that Brian Flores likes to play. Okay, okay. okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, I didn't want to cut you off, but you mentioned some Saints teasers, and I think this is really important because we're seeing a lot of the teaser prices change. You're, you're seeing, you know, minus 125 on six-point teasers. You're seeing minus 130. Um, how is that impacting your bottom line? Are you still playing heavy teasers? Um, because I know that's something I've kind of cut back on a little bit this season since we're not seeing as many places other than like, you know, some of the local s- spots offering 110 on six-point teasers. Yeah, I'm seeing pretty standard at minus 120 on six, minus 130 on six and a half. And I'm refusing to bet anywhere that doesn't have at least those numbers, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm isolating the spots that I'm betting teasers, I'm, I'm weeding out some other spots that I would ordinarily be looking to bet them at uh, mm-hmm. and focusing more on the spots where I can just get minus 120. So naturally, I think, you know, in general, the volume is down a little bit on teasers, although it feels like teasers have been doing pretty well from a from a pure teaser like perspective this year. Um, Although the wine teasers, uh, the wine teasers have been crushing. Um, yes. It's just so funny because, um, you know, in Vegas, in Vegas, there's not a single place you can get, you can get minus 120 on six point teasers. Um, it's just all 130 across the board. I think, um, there's one spot that has minus 125, um, which is a little bit better, but I got one more pick that I, like, I really love, and I would love to, you know, hear okay. your thoughts on it. Bengals, Texans over 46 and a half. Um, I know we, we talked down on overs this entire podcast for the most part, but I really like this one. I think the Bengals offense is humming right now. 24 against the Bills, 31 against the 49ers, 34 against the Cardinals. They face the seventh toughest schedule of opposing defenses. And you look at this Texans defense, 20th in EPA per play, 24th in dropback EPA, 26, 22nd in dropback success rate. And they played the 26th ranked schedule of opposing offenses. I was actually on the Texans the other day because I thought it was a good spot them returning home and I felt like I was going to cash the ticket on the Texans minus two and a half and the real gut punch for me was the third and 23. You got third and 23. The game's on the line. You get a stop there. The game's over. Instead, you allow a 20-yard pass. Baker picks up the the fourth and, and three and you know they were giving up that touchdown. So I just don't think this Texans secondary can really stop this Bengals team. And I think the way C.J. Stroud is playing, this feels like a dead nuts under, I mean, over in a year where, even in a year where you're seeing unders come in ramp. So do you have any objections, uh, objections to that? 
my, my, so my main concern is we don't know the status of Jamar Chase. Um, he was the quotes that I was reading yesterday made it like from Schefter and, and injury information, just to be clear, has not been great this year. But the quotes that I, I saw from Schefter made it seem up and down like Chase was going to be able to go in this game. And he definitely was in a massive amount of pain. And the, and the back injury, I think it's related to his back on the fall that he took and maybe a couple other body parts as well. But, you know, backs are, are strange creatures. You, you really do have to rest those. And then you could be feeling good on Saturday, wake up Sunday, and it's stiff and tight. Or you're out there on the field, and this is one of the things that we've been doing from a from a props perspective is, you know, a guy uh, acts like he could play, like tries to gut it out, tries to play in a game, but he's not 100%. And then he's not going to either, A, he's going to play the full game, but not deliver you what you're expecting him to deliver, or B, he's going to not make it for the full game because he's, he gets re-injured uh, prior to that, or they precautionary, like he's not quite 100%, he just doesn't have it. So they hold him back waiting for another game. So those are my concerns with um, the Bengals' offense. Otherwise, I do agree. I mean, Cincinnati is in a good position in, in this game from a matchup perspective. My concern on the Texan side is I don't know when they're just simply going to take the regulator off of CJ Stroud and let this kid ball from the opening whistle, but they need to open this offense up to let him have more success. I was so, I can't tell you how disappointed I was in Bobby Sloak, the offense coordinator's game plan against the Carolina Panthers coming out of the bye. They were using more jumbo sets. They were running more out of the jumbo sets. Previously, they had been trotting out these jumbo sets to help protect C.J. Stroud and then to pass out of those jumbo sets with because he's got some of the biggest splits in the NFL if he's pressured or if he's kept clean. So I did not get a great vibe from what Sloak was doing in the game against the Carolina Panthers on the road coming out of the bye. Now, last week did look a little bit better, but I still have to dig into uh, the personnel groupings and the play calling strategy that they were utilizing because this game, you know, I, I guess theoretically, and you could have said this about the Bengals uh, game against the Bills. It's like, well, if one team gets down, I have a lot of confidence that the other quarterback is going to be able to come back and start chucking the ball all over the field and put up enough points in the second half to get us to this, to the number. Um, and I just, I don't, I really don't know. I really respect Louie Arumo. And after that first drive of the Cincinnati Bengals, sorry, of the Buffalo Bills, where they marched down the field and scored a touchdown, I mean, Lou didn't wait until halftime to make his adjustments like he typically did. They shut down this Bills offense to a large degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, oh, one, th- one thing I got to say, though, I wonder how much of that is. It, it feels like the, the Bills offense has had a governor on it. You know what I mean? Just because it feels like, you know, like it just feels like they're, they're trying to run on early downs and they're not opening it up unless they need to. So how much is that is Lou and Arumo and how much is that uh, is the Bills offense? Because we've seen the Bills offense really just not like perform optimally. Yeah, you're, you know, you're totally right. Uh, look, uh, Sean McDermott is on my uh, 
you know, do not employ this coach list, like coaches that I'm frustrated with. He gets involved and meddles with the offensive side of the ball to try to help his defensive side of the ball. He's talking about complimentary football. Buddy, your team is allowing 6.5 points in the first quarter on average, I think, this season. It's the third most in the NFL. You're talking about your offense needs to play a little bit better complimentary football. Your defense has given up a ton of points to start these games. Your offense is playing in a hole far too frequently. The defense needs to improve. I know they've had their share of injuries, but he's got to coach them a little bit better. Uh, at any rate, I do agree on that in that regard, but Big Lou is just one of those defensive coordinators that scares the heck out of me. And mm-hmm. I do wonder if you've got, like, see, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm not saying I don't like this total. I'm just, mm-hmm. I love throwing, uh, throwing mm-hmm. like the, the opposite side just mm-hmm. into the air it, to try I, to. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. It's just because, you know, the listeners always, like I always tell people, it's, it's great to be able to have both sides of, like, to be able to talk both sides of it. You know, just so yeah. you, you can get an opposing view. And actually, you know, as we're speaking, that total just moved to 47 worldwide. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I appreciate you, you know, you break it down the other side. Um, I know you have to go soon. Is there anything that we should know about week 10? Is there anything that you're, you're looking at? Um, any jewels that you could just share with us um, before you get up out of here? Well, I really think it's important to study... Um, this is one thing that I'm doing a little bit more of studying defensive trending data. I feel like some of these defenses are improving or getting weaker before our eyes. And if you look at season long data, and I know it's a very small sample size sport. And so it's difficult to, um, you know, the, 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 the fewer weeks you restrict things to, the more variance potentially because there's a lower sample size. But I just think that in the NFL, you have to get comfortable with these things at times. And like you look at a team like the Denver Broncos, I'm really interested to see how they play the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. You look at their season-long data, and this is one of the worst, stone-cold worst defenses in the NFL. You look at what they've been doing the last few weeks, and I know they played the Chiefs twice, and so maybe if you think they got a good read on the Chiefs and are bad against everybody else, then, then maybe they're still a bad defense. But like this defense to me is being underrated in the marketplace and has turned a corner a bit. Um, and yet I don't feel like that's being priced as what's happening here. I would also look out for in that same game. The Denver Broncos have one of the best game scripts out there in the NFL. And I just shared that the Buffalo Bills are one of the worst defenses in the first quarter at allowing points. So. You know, you could put two and two together. I look for things that align where an offense is good and defense is bad in a certain situation. Here you got Denver with extra time to prepare with good game scripting in general offensively going up against a defense that struggles against it. I'm interested to see that first quarter number, how the Broncos maybe come out the gates of this one. But the market is still obviously anticipating that like the Broncos stink and the Broncos defense is no good. And I don't think, I don't know if either of those things are are necessarily true in this one. That's a good point. I mean, when you look at the last three weeks since the Jets game, the Broncos are fourth in EPA per play on defense. And they, I mean, they've held Kansas City to, to 19 points. Um, they held the Packers to 17 points. And then they held the, the Chiefs to nine points. So that's a really great gem that you just dropped on everybody. Um, I just want to thank you for doing this. Um, we got to let everybody know that House and Warren Sharp, they will be together on Friday. In addition, 
We got an East Coast bias, same game parlay for the NBA. There's no NBA tonight because of the election, but there's a lot of NBA games on tomorrow, Wednesday night. So we got a same game parlay for you guys. Check that out on FanDuel Sportsbook. How Warren Sharp, I want to thank you for doing this. Um, we got to work together again. I mean, because you dropped so many gems on us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on the Ringer Gambling Podcast. Y'all know how it's going down. Raheem Palmer, a.k.a. Roger Donald. Y'all know what it is. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 if you're in Arizona. If you're in Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.